Hello and welcome to Head and Heart, a Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast, episode two. My name is Katie and I'm here with my best friend and co-host Frankie. Hi guys! It is good to be back for episode two. We are so excited to continue this project, this podcast with you guys. I can't wait. So today's it's- topic <laughs> is a bit of a juicy one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it this is-, is when... This is when this the, is when the fan work art starts. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are going to be discussing Fitzy versus Sokeep. We are going straight into the ship wars. <laughs> so, Frankie, uh, why, why yeah. don't you start us off? Uh, how do you feel about Fitzy versus Sokeep, and where do uh, you stand on shipping in general? Just like in the Maiko episode of. Uh, the Zutara podcast, I am going to start this off with a disclaimer. <laughs> we do we're doing not... It, we're doing it even earlier this time. We at least waited for episode four on the Zutara podcast yeah. to get into Mako, but now... <laughs> you are just... You are heading us straight towards, like, war right now. You're steering us straight towards the iceberg, and I'm trying to veer a little bit. Okay. Disclaimer, we do not hate Fitz. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> nope, just like we do not hate May and Avatar, I really right. enjoy Fitz's character, and I have some pretty exciting ideas, actually, about where I want him to go in the future. Yes, so that's the disclaimer. Um, we are not Fitzy fans, shocker. Um, if you are... That is fine. Um, you can stay and listen for another point of view. If you do not want to listen, that is also fine. I understand that. But yeah, uh, that's the disclaimer. We you we like Fitz, and we have interesting ideas for Fitz, but he is not um, our goal here. He's not <laughs> so our favorite character. Yeah, there's the disclaimer. So yeah, um, he's yeah. probably my least favorite out of the main gang, honestly. To take a turn from Avatar, gang. yeah, um, yeah, he, same. He probably is. He that's just because he is. hasn't been given as much complexity, which I think hurts the potential of he and Sophie having a relationship. He's but, very <laughs> two dimensional. He's super two dimensional. Like, like, but the thing is, I think that's kind of intentional. Yeah. He's just very, like, compared to the other characters, he just doesn't have, it feels like, I don't even know what comparison to make. It feels like Prince Charming, like, compared to Flynn Rider. You know what I mean? Mm, I like that. Like, like not, and not the good Prince Charming from Cinderella 3, where he jumps out a window and is, and is crazy. Like, Prince Charming in the first <laughs> Cinderella where he had, like, you ten lines. You did not just reference like, Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Cinderella 3 <laughs> is a cinematic masterpiece. Prince Charming is an icon. He is amazing. Every I hope everyone is like Prince Charming in life from Cinderella 3. And that's what I have to say about that. But, yeah. Yeah, no, Fitz, Fitz just feels like, like... Prince Charming from the first movie, and uh, Keith feels like Flynn Rider, like a more recent protagonist. Like, that's the difference. He like, does. Like, F- Fitz is, a, you know, elegant and charming and good with the words and ladies, and, like, he's very, like, high up there in society, and he wants someone who fits 
the viewpoint, and he's just, he's like that. He's like an older version of what a, a movie hero is supposed to look like, whereas Keith is like the modern day Prince Charming, where he's sassy and like and traumatic. Flawed and complex. Yeah. And- there's, a, there's the comparison I was trying to go for. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that in general, Keith is much more compelling, specifically as a foil to Sophie and how they bounce mm. off of each other. And what it always comes down to for me, and what I want to kind of start off our base conversation here with, is that at baseline, Fizz is fine with Sophie. Yeah. You know, he gives her cute presents. He's nice to her. He flirts with her, all that good stuff. At baseline, he and Keith are pretty comparable in how they interact with Sophie. At uh, baseline. However, however yeah. <laughs> the indication of a good relationship is how you handle things when things get hard. And that is where yeah. Fitz falls apart and Keith really rises up to the occasion. It is during their hardest moments when So Keith has their bonding and grows closer yeah. and are able to emotionally support one another. Whereas when things get hard for Fitz, he uh, cuts Sophie off and is a total brat. Yeah. Which. I'm going to make this comparison to Aang. We will probably be doing that a lot, like we've already explained. But, like, I don't blame Aang for, like, being a brat because he's a child. When Aang's a brat, it is because of his age and directly because of his experiences. And with Fitz, he's also, like, a teenage boy who's going through a lot. So when he does this, you're irritated with him. I can also see why he does it because it's like, okay, he's he's a child. He's still... <laughs> He's still a teenager, but it is infuriating for his age. It's realistic, but it is also infuriating when compared to how Keith handles bad situations. I mean, goodness, I think of that scene in Never Seen um, where he has all the notes around his room and just is at his lowest point. And there's this beautiful bonding moment where Sophie helps him clean up all the notes. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean... Keith is really in a dark place. I mean, one of the notes says, like, did they ever love me? Yeah. This is a boy who was just crying out for help, and Sophie rises up to that occasion and gives him support. And it's not just... things get emotionally difficult for Fitz with his father, I mean, Mm -hmm. look at how he treats Sophie throughout book two. And yes, he apologizes for it, but it's pretty shallow. It is not enough of an apology. No, it is not. I'm sorry. It is not enough of an apology. And I agree with, oh my gosh, who is it who says that he's, um, that she's letting him off too easy? Someone flat out says that, and I agree with them. Is I forget it, which- um, 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 not Lynn, um, Shadow Boy. Why am I forgetting his name? Is it Tom? No, no, Tam? this is at the end of book two. They're not even there yet. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Who is Although it? that would be something that Tam would say. That's why I thought, because it sounds like a Tam line it, it but would it, be something that tam would say <laughs> and it's tam not is a huge so keep shipper and you can't convince me otherwise that is in I canon like, i feel like tam just ships sophie with a healthy like healthy stability like i feel like tam <laughs> just is like i should be uh, with yeah 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 but anyway um going back to what you said about on the baseline they're very similar. I don't even think it's on a baseline level. I think even on that baseline, Keith is better. Keith is the, deeper. You, you, yes, 
you mentioned the gifts, and it's like, Keith's gift has meaning to her in the first book. Fitz gives her the same thing as that everybody he got else. Everyone. You mentioned like feelings, but Fitz still feels like just he's putting on a sh- charm show in the first book, too. Like, just like this older, cool kid. And Sophie sees him at that way, and it just feels very like, like, you know, ha ha ha, like charming. Whereas Keith feels more grounded immediately. I don't know, even on the base level, like, there are differences in their characters that and Keith feels deeper. No, agreed. I'm just saying on baseline fits me yeah. fine. But it's when things get hard that they fall apart, which yeah. is an indication of a bad pairing. Yeah. It's uh fits when he uh, I wanted him to beg for forgiveness and it didn't happen. Me I was too. He treats her awful. And he does it like three times in the series. He is incredibly least. hostile. Oh my god, it's it's so hostile. I can't I had a comparison when I was reading it to who he reminded me of and I can't think of it now, but the hostility is so bad. It's it's something bad happens and he just the temper, the anger management issues like he needs help and figuring that, it out. Yes. And that is I want to make perfectly clear that is not just a maturity thing. That is not just a his age thing. Mm-hmm. Even though parts of his flaws are, that is yeah. a deep character flaw that he has to work through, and we don't see no, him work through it. He has anger management issues, like he legitimately has intense anger management issues, which need to be talked about and worked on active, like actively worked on. Or when you're an adult, it just gets. 10 times worse. Yeah. Why do you think Alvar, um, it's Alvar, his brother, right? Yes. Yes. Why do you think, I was second guessing that for a second for some reason. There's so but many names. There's, there's so, so many, many names. names. I always mix and, up like Alden and Alvar and stuff. In which well, and they're rich. all complicated. It's not like normal names. It's not like names that we're used to. So it's like they all get mixed up. And then there's Keith. <laughs> I know. There's Sophie and Keith. <laughs> Um, another sign that they're meant to be. <laughs> Their names go together so beautifully. Yeah, no, Keith isn't even like a normal name. It's just, but it's like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> it is so, so telling that Alvar says that Fitz is going to be the one to fulfill the Vacker legacy. And that mm-hmm. is where I'm just going to come out and say it. For the rest of the podcast, so this is perfectly clear. We are both reading for rooting, excuse me, for an evil Fitz arc in the last two books. We not because we hate him or want that for him, but because we it think it is so set up well and it would be so compelling, so interesting. Ugh. It would be so much better than just what has kind of happened to Fitz in the last couple books, where he doesn't even feel like like, in the first, like, couple books, he does feel more like a main character. In the past couple books, he has felt like like a stepping stone? How he's written? I don't know. Like, he's felt like something just to push Sophie's narrative forward. And that isn't what I want for characters. So, also, I don't... Also, throughout all uh, of Legacy, Sophie is starting to realize how he's treated her. 
Yeah, she has. She's seeing through the facade of the presence and the charming smiles. And mm-hmm. she's really starting to mature and see this relationship for what it is. And, you know, I'm so proud of her for calling it off mm-hmm. and saying, this isn't something I want right now. And I think she's yeah. going to continue to back away. And I think that might bring out the worst in Fitz and that's going to solidify that for her. I, yeah, and it's, it has been set up so well, I feel like, and also if Fitz, I don't even need Fitz to go full on evil, I just need something, I need, especially after how awful he was to Keith when Keith was, uh, with the other people, why am I blanking, not the, the black never swan, seen. the never seen, when he was with the Never Seen, and they were all so against him, and I just have a mini rant that drove me absolutely insane. I was so irritated. I was texting Katie nonstop, like, how do they think he's betrayed them? How do they, have they not put two and two together? I was in, I was so irritated. I was sending videos. So that, that is how quick... Fitz is to turn the second things get hard. This is his lifelong best friend. I, and it, you know there was jealousy in there too. You know there was a part of him that was like, this, I mean, I can get Sophie <laughs> with this. You know what I mean? Like, not even in a manipulative way and just in like, I'm so angry at him, but also I can use this to get Sophie more on my side. Like... <laughs> And it comes down to the fact that Fitz, ironically, in comparison to Keith, has a huge empathy problem. He is not able to see an awful empathy problem. He is not (laughs) able to see past his own self in his own situation. It's exactly what happened with his father. He was not willing to step aside and look at it from Sophie's perspective and listen to what happened at all. He was only thinking of himself. Whereas that is almost all that Keith does to the point where it's his own fault is look at other people's struggles and try to fix it. And usually he does the wrong thing by trying to fix it and does the wrong decision, which is why it's his own fault because he's trying to help others so much and trying to figure out things in his own life so much that he can't even stop and pause and be like, this might not be a good idea. Yeah, no, Keith is very, very selfless. Very selfless. Yeah. In comparison to Fitz. He does, Keith does do things for himself, but it's never really, like, at the cost of others. It is sometimes. He's hell-bent on figuring out everything that went on with his mother, everything that happened with him as a child, which is justified. Sometimes he does it at the expense of others. Uh, and doesn't listen, but at the same time, you know who else doesn't listen at all to authority figures? Sophie. Mm. (laughs) I can't stand Mm. the hypocrisy. I cannot stand the hypocrisy. That's another rant I've given Katie before reading these books, is they all get so mad at Keith whenever he doesn't listen. He is much more harshly judged than anyone else in the group for his flaws. How many times has everyone else literally run off and done their own thing after being explicitly told not to. I couldn't, I can't even count. I wouldn't be able to keep count. And if Keith does it, everyone's like, Keith, you are ruining 
everything. And it's like, you are all so hypocritical. Tam goes so off to save his sister. Tam didn't have to go. He did it to save his sister. No yeah. one questions it. Everyone understands. Every time Sophie goes, Sophie does it at least three times in each book. And when she gets back, Grady and Edeline, like, yeah, they talk to her about it. But none of her friends are like, Sophie, how could you betray us? Keith does it once. And they're like, he's gone to the dark side forever. And I was just like, what? What? When I first read how they were thinking about this, I was like, are you all insane? He made it so obvious that he's that is doing where this Sophie, for you. Even though there's a level of hypocrisy, that is where Sophie is incredibly refreshing and never seen, uh, not never seen, sorry, this is throughout Lodestar. Yeah, um, this is Lodestar. Yeah. Never seen is at the end when he, yeah, betrayed, well, yeah. betrays them is the whole betrayed. point. Betrayed. Yeah. That is where Sophie is very refreshing throughout Lodestar because she sees past it and sees Keith's pain. She's They're in tune to each other's emotions and their psyche mm-hmm. so well that she's able to look past it all and see what's going on and that he is on their side to the point where she's willing to have nightly communication with him mm-hmm. and is worried about his safety. She's the only one keeping faith in him. He makes it so obvious that he is doing this for them and it drove me up the wall because even Sophie in the beginning was like uh how could he do this and I was just like girl but the thing is that was just in the aftermath of yeah that was the aftermath of what happened the pain of losing Keith Mm -hmm. but she snapped out of it real quickly when she saw him she did so, she did. It was a good bit of angst there. So that feels pretty realistic to me. She didn't keep on being that way, like everyone else who refused. Yeah, to it was a good. Reason. It was a good spot of hurt, and it makes sense. It still irritated me a bit, but like it made sense. And then, yeah, she did just. She, it was though. I look so forward to those nighttime communications, and whenever she would miss one, I was like, "That's not good. Something bad's gonna happen." And just in general. You look, you read through, and okay, I think I mentioned this in the first episode, but all of my books are tabbed with cute Soki mm-hmm. moments. If I yep. tabbed them with Fitzfee moments, there would be so, not only fewer tabs. Less substantial. But each of those tabs is a much less, like you said, substantial moment. The Soki interactions have this tenderness, this depth to them that is absolutely beautiful. That develops throughout the series, whereas Fitzfee is just stale. Fitzfee is surface level. It's so surface level. So Keith is the bottom of the ocean. And that is why I'm so glad we are seeing, yeah, yeah, the depths of Mm -hmm. the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why I'm so glad we are getting this arc where Sophie is learning how to recognize a surface level crush in comparison to yep. true deep love. That is such yeah. an important message. It's what we should have gotten in Avatar. We have ranted about that for many an hour on our other podcast. episodes. <laughs> you know, it's so important for kids to see and understand the kinds of feelings that they're feeling because when you're young, you don't really know what love is. You have to learn that. And yeah. that's what Sophie's in the process of doing. And what's also very telling is that all the adults know. <laughs> oh, except for Alden, who is 
obviously going to be biased, biased towards his son. Yeah. Everyone else. Everyone else. Which outside like, of that, I like Alden, but he definitely has the blind spot there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Of but, course. But, oh my gosh. Grady and Edeline. Elwin. Grady? Grady? There is... Okay, I look Bro. at this as proof <laughs> that Grady knows. I look at this as proof that Grady knows, because Grady doesn't really have trouble with Sophie hanging out with Fitz. No, and it is not doesn't. because it is not to all those people who say, well, that's just because he approves of Fitz more. It is not because he approves of Fitz more. It is because he knows deep down that Fitz is not going to be an issue. Whereas Keith could definitely be an issue. Because that's real love and he sees right. that. Yes, exactly. That's my exact point. Like, yeah, no. that's why. It is not a matter of personality of Grady respecting... Grady has great respect for Keith. Yeah. And Keith proves himself to him, and Grady points that out and actually makes comments saying that he's surprised by him and how he mm-hmm. comes through for Sophie and has great respect for that. Mm-hmm. And how this boy has come through for his daughter and supported her. So he has great respect for Keith. It's not because well, he's a bit of a rascal that yeah, he's, No. It's because he sees their interactions, he recognizes it for what mm-hmm. it is, and he's like, oh boy, this is going to be the real thing. But he also sees that Sophie has this surface level, like we said, crush on Fitz, yeah. and he knows that it's going to get messy and that he's going to have to be there for her, his daughter, as she works through all of these emotions. Even when Keith is hanging out with Sylvanie and Grady realize, like, Grady even earns a bit of respect for Keith there because he's able to empathize with uh, Sylvanie early on. Like, there's just... Grady is such an interesting character to me. His conversations with and around So Keith are so interesting to me. There's so many of them. There's so many little, like, points here and there that's just strewn throughout the books of Grady saying something or Sander saying something, and it's about So Keith. And there is absolutely no misinterpreting the meaning. Sophie plays dumb. I refuse to believe she doesn't play dumb. There's so many instances where Sophie's like, Sophie just looked away. Sophie took out an eyelash. Like, there's so many instances where she doesn't acknowledge them, but she also, her inner monologue is not confused. She knows exactly what they're talking yeah, about. No, she does know exactly what they're talking about. Absolutely. And then we have Ro. Yeah. Who, of course, hardcore ships them, and she wants to see them get together because she knows they belong together. Mostly for Keith's There's sake, nothing been honestly. more obvious. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing been more obvious. I, I don't even... I couldn't count, like, the amount of times Ro has so- said something straight to the point about this. Like... It doesn't even matter that Keith tries to cover it up. It it doesn't matter at all. It's so obvious. Sophie is just in denial. She knows. She absolutely knows. Even when Dex was still in the equation and people were like, kept being like, Sophie has three to four guys that are blah, blah, blah. And Sophie was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, Sophie. You absolutely know what they're talking about. I don't want to hear it. But you bring up Dex, and what's interesting about that is that 
in book one, that's who we kind of both shipped Sophie with before Keith came into the oh, picture. Yeah. Neither of us were ever Fitz fans. It's not like... And I were... still would ship Dex over Fitz. Yeah, I still would ship Dex over Fitz as well. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, we have seen how Fitz for you works out and it's not good. It crashed the, and burned. It's bad. And the other fact of the matter is, even Dex, who has gotten limited scenes with Sophie throughout the books, not too limited, but more so compared to Fitz and Keith, right. his relationship with Sophie still feels on a deeper level to me than her relationship with Fitz. It absolutely does. Her relationship with Fitz feels so hollow. It feels like they're, they're friends who, like are friends of friends and then become friends and then try dating and it just doesn't work out and it just feels their relationship feels so like non-starter compared to everyone else's she even though they're supposed to be at the end of the day i don't care if you give her cute gifts once in a while and she gets all giddy because she's young Uh and naive and thinks she has a crush on you because of your eye color yeah (laughs) like the whole teal eyes thing oh my gosh (laughs) Even Evan Bro's uh, like, we dyed Iggy a nice ice blue. <laughs> even the <laughs> cognate eyes and keeps like, we get it, calm down. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many great Even the cognate thing. Oh my god. And how he holds that over her? It doesn't feel but even without that, I'm talking about just on the base level of the cognate thing. All of their practicing their cognate stuff doesn't hit the same as what she and Keith can do when he touches her with his empath abilities. It feels so shallow. It doesn't hit as hard. It feels more like Sherlock and Watson, but not even as close as Sherlock and Watson. It feels like two people that were randomly thrown together because they both have similar abilities and they're just trying to... they don't even feel. It feels like your relationship like best to friends. your classmates who you have classes with because you yeah. share the same major. Yes, yes, exactly. That is what Th- it feels like. That's what it feels like. Yeah, because I would say, oh, you know, it feels more like a Sherlock and Watson, you know, like working together, partners in crime thing. But I'm not even going to give them that. Sherlock and Watson no. have a much deeper friendship than Fitzvie ever had. Like they, like don't get me wrong, they do have a friendship, but it's. It is not, I don't even know how to explain it, because there is a friendship, but it just does not feel like, he doesn't even compare to, like, Bianca and Dex feel like better friends than Fitz, like, yes. by far. Yes, by it's far. missing the substance. There's, there's, it's just shallow from both of them, and it's just, And it's ugh, missing I that substance because on Fitz's end, his character is missing the substance. Yes, like I said, yes. I think that's actually intentional on Shannon Messenger's part, not only to create this arc of showing Sophie's growth and understanding of relationships, mm-hmm. but also to potentially set up that evil Fitz arc. I yeah, and have him fulfill and the I, backer legacy. That's that's I my guess. That... I will stand corrected if I turn out to be wrong, mm-hmm. but that characterization or lack of i think is very intentional and i think we're supposed to feel this way about him so in that way even though it's frustrating and i don't like his character i don't think it's necessarily bad writing for its purpose no yeah the thing is like mm, so i think that fits 
they do care about each other. I'm not going to say that they don't care about each other, Sophie and Fitz. Like, they are friends. They do care about each other. I will even say that they do love, they have come to love each other, just not in the way that Sophie originally thought she was going to love him, right? Yeah, it's just comparatively but, is the problem. Right. But, yeah, comparatively, and also, with the Vacker legacy, there's two ways this goes. It's either it was just to throw us off, Fitz doesn't become evil at all, he doesn't complete the Vacker legacy, and that she was just setting that up so that Alvar did it instead, and it was a, oh my god, moment. Or she actually goes through with it. Yeah, because Alvar Fitz, seems too obvious, and Fitz seems like it's being set up, that that could almost be right. twisted itself to take the more obvious route. Right. We still, throughout, obviously, you know this if you read the books, which is going to be very interesting, this reveal, but obviously the first couple pages of each book are foreshadowed moments happening as if they've already happened, but they're not. They're probably from the last book, you know, those moments at the beginning of each book. And there's a couple no. of them. I will I will correct you there. I believe that the preface to each book is a moment later in that book. Is it? Yeah, like the one to book I have so not like the one to book eight is Sophie rescuing Keith at the end. Are you sure that's the case with all of them? Because I've read through the prefaces, and I can't connect some of them to the book later on. Interesting. Almost, Maybe I'm wrong. It almost feels like a last book type thing. The one to book one is later in that book, obviously. Yeah. But there are some... But that could have been rem- before she knew she would have a series, and... Yeah, I just remember one specifically... If I'm wrong, just let me know, guys. But I remember one specifically. I don't remember which book it's in. And she's talking about how she trusted this person and they have betrayed her. her, And it isn't Alvar. She's not talking about Alvar. I don't know who else it could be. But I remember thinking that is going to happen in a later book series. Interesting. And And if I'm right, then that could very well be Fitz. I have no idea. If if Katie is right or not, and that they do all happen in the same book. But I just remembered reading that, and I didn't think it had come to fruition by the end of the book that she felt betrayed. Which book was that before? Do you remember? I have no idea. I will look through them. Because if it was <laughs> when, never seen, it could have been referencing Keith and her feelings after Keith lightly yeah. her away. I remember feeling it felt different. Like, it felt distinctly like something that was going to happen and I don't think it had happened in that book but I could be wrong when I'm not at school and I have access to my books again I'm gonna have to read through the prefaces and look into that yeah I have sadly I've moved like three different times in the last three months guys it's been insane and I cannot find the last three books anywhere that is so no idea where they went it's tragic (laughs) It's awful. <laughs> Mine are at home across state while I'm at school, so I don't have access mm. to them for quotes and stuff while we record, unfortunately, until I'm back home for summer break. But Look what I found. <laughs> Hold on. What did you find? It is, I'm curious. It is 
every Sokeef moment written out. Is that on Wattpad? On this, yes, it is. Oh my every gosh! Sokeef I need moment to add that to my list. Written out from every book. So all of my sticky tabs written out. Yeah, just written <laughs> out in order. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I applaud the person who i mean doing the sticky tabs that's a big enough project i applaud the person who took that on i do you remember when i was reading house of hades and i made a numbered list of every single percy annabeth interaction in that book and i sent it to you and by the end it was like 300 like (laughs) numbers The power of the tabs. I'm telling uh, people, tab your books. It is so fun. It makes them feel so personalized. I loved taking on this project. And I can just yeah. through, like literally <laughs> the last time I reread the series, I literally just reread flashback via the sticky tabs. That's what I would do. If I had done that, I would have just read the So Keith scenes. <laughs> because I did not want to do flashback at the time. I wanted to get to Legacy and I just spent the day. A couple hours mm-hmm. flipping through via this, and there's a surprising amount of tabs even in flashback. Okay, I just remember like, being even really in the sad. One fits the book. <laughs> I just remember being really sad when you sent me the picture of all the books, and I could see how little flashback had compared to the other two surrounding it, and I was just like, "What happens? What? Ha- why is there so little?" Well, I was yeah, like, "What? Because- what? What's going on?" Yeah, because Nightfall and Legacy are like filled so to the cent- brim. Yeah, so keeps central. So I was just like, I don't think you guys understand how religiously I took that picture that she sent me of like all the tabs. <laughs> I was. I would go into one book being like, there's so many Sokeef tabs. Oh my god. And then flashback, I was just like, yeah. I don't want to read this book. And to be clear, this isn't just explicitly romantic moments. It's just cute interactions between the two of them. So like, I yeah. have their introduction where he says, you must be lost or you look like you're lost. I have that tabbed. So, mm-hmm. so there's even some tabs in book one. But yes, at the end of the day, like we've been saying, Sokeef is just so much more nuanced and they have these beautiful tender moments and moments of mutual self-support and understanding that are just you know they're the head and the heart it just Mm. works so much better and it's so much more like we've been saying mature compared to Mm, yeah so that is why we ship it over fitzfee but before we go I think this episode, it would be fun to cover also our other ships and who else we would like to see yeah. specifically with Fitz because I do believe that he deserves love. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm personally a big fan of Lynn and Fitz. I think they'd be cute together, but I also like the idea of Lynn and Wiley. So I... Lynn and Wiley down the road. Like... When they're a just bit older and a, the age gap is a yeah. little more appropriate. Yes, because age gap does not bug me as much in this world as it does in others because of the fact that elves live, live forever. forever. Right. Th- so the age gap... Like, Alden is, like, a hundred years older than his wife. Like, like you know? Like, the age gap is not going to be that big of an issue. No. So, I like Wiley and Lynn. I like either or. I'd be happy with either. I also... I really like... Okay, I'm a huge Dex and Bianna shipper, Dexiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
How do you feel about Bianca and Tam? I like Dex and Bianca more. I like Dex and Bianca more too. There's a few hints at Bianca and Tam, and like you know, like Tam doesn't like blondes, and he has a bit of a crush on Bianca. But I honestly, I would like to see Tam end up with Morella. Yeah, same, same. I like the shadows actually. and fire, light kind of opposites. Mm-hmm. Some people ship Lynn and Morella because they're opposites, um, which... That, yeah, but I don't know how their personalities would quite... Yeah, I don't see how their personalities would click together either. Like, I'm all for it if you want to ship it, no problem with it, but I just, I don't Mm -hmm. see how it would work romantically. I would love to see him develop a friendship. Actually, like, not so much in the last couple books, but I remember around book three book four i was i was like you know what would be kind of cool dex and fitz actually honestly yeah that's a secondary ship of mine that's a secondary ship of mine is dex and fitz i don't think it's going to happen at all it's like the equivalent to zuka for us in avatar yeah i like zuka a bit more i like zuka a bit more as well if fitz could gain the only way this would ever happen is if Fitz gained some substance. If he did go to the dark side for a little bit, if he had to be pulled back, if Dex somehow was integral and all that. But I don't think it's going to happen. Because but here's the one, thing. I think that Fitz, Fitz is finally going to gain some substance in the final two books, especially if yeah. Sophie gets together with Keith. I think Fitz not being so focused on Sophie will actually be really good for him once oh, he gets over it'd that. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Amazing for his character. Yeah. It'll be really good and healthy I, for him. And I think he yeah. finally will gain some substance and find true love for himself. Sadly, I just don't think it's going to be with Dex. Because no. she hasn't built that up enough. I would be all for it. No, but I, it has I not think been the implication, honestly, like there's kind of this implication that there really are no gay couples in the elf world. Yeah, like they're which programmed. Is sad. Like, they're programmed as to where literally a hundred percent of them are heterosexual. Which, you know, yeah, we haven't I, seen any, have we? Like any gay elves? No, there's been no hints of it at all. Which you know is fine if Shannon Messenger just wants to write what she knows. Like I respect that. Yeah. Not everything has to have queerness in it. I think it's fine to ship though. Yeah, what you want? As I long think as it's, it's you know appropriate. Like. I think it's more than, yeah, more than fine to ship. Well, especially because Sophie's, there is an issue in these books that the elves don't realize, which is their class system. There is one in the elf world. They say it's perfect, but no, there's a class system in their world. Sophie's always pointing it out. She's like, don't you think this is messed up the way you find love? And so that's another issue that could potentially like be picked at by Sophie is the fact that apparently there is no LGBTQ in the world. You know what I mean? You know where I'm getting at? Yeah. With this? No, like, I am. Like, is that by design? Has that been repressed out? Right. Or even if Shannon Messenger didn't mean for that to be like the case, that is now where my brain those just yeah, because of it the could repression be, we, don't, we don't know the scenario it could be that as a species they are just because there are animal species out there that have developed to, to, they're still pretty mm-hmm. much 100% heterosexual for reproductive purposes yeah and that's kind of how the elves think about things whereas you know we as humans you know have a conscience we've developed beyond that animalistic state and that's why we don't just have love to reproduce we have you know right 
it's who you love exactly and who you're attracted to exactly and that has grown and developed you know biologically to be different in every individual person so you know and not just heterosexual to reproduce Mm -hmm. so it really depends and like i said it could just be that it exists but shannon messenger is just writing what she knows which you know Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i respect but I definitely yeah. think you are allowed to ship, though. Like, I like the idea of Stina and Maruka. I also like that idea. I even like Stina and Morella. I like the honestly. I just like the idea of Stina being sapphic. Honestly, I see that in her character. I think it fits. I think Stina's, like, 100% sapphic in some way or another. Yeah. 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 I see her as a lesbian as well. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting point. It's an interesting theory or thought process of there's so much wrong with the class system in the elf world that they don't see that that could be a part of it that could very easily be a part of it especially since the whole the the list your list that you get is supposed to be to produce like the best outcome exactly it's very methodical right and it's like man woman you know so it could be a huge underlying issue in this world that just isn't brought up because of the list and how it goes about it. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We haven't just heard, having we haven't even heard of any heterosexual couples in this world that haven't had kids. Right. They all have like kids. You're, you're almost forced to have children. If you have the wrong type of child, you're looked at as like a squib from Harry Potter. Like it's <laughs> That's a great the comparison, class system. Actually. No, the class system is awful. <laughs> it is. So I just find it very interesting if she just doesn't write them because um, she's not comfortable with it or if this is an actual issue. Yeah, and I wonder I if that will be, be very at all. Now that the, char- the characters are getting to an age where that Older. would be an appropriate thing to address, you know, maybe not when they're 12 at the beginning, but now that they're getting yeah. older and their sexualities are starting to develop, that could be a thing that could be addressed. You imagine Dex just comes out to Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that but for has, so many reasons. But he would do it through saying that he has a crush on Fitz. Yeah, but I just would love that for so many reasons. Just because are, one, you familiar, are you familiar with Andy Mack? Uh, yes. Oh, I know. Yes, I know exactly where the he comes out as ca- having a crush on Jonah. Yeah, yeah, that's how I picture it with Sophie and Dex. But I picture, I would love it for Dex specifically just because his family has already had to deal with so much of that, like, pressure to be good because they've, you know, they have multiple kids. They had married out of, they married out of their list. Like, you know, so it would be so interesting to me for there to be another reason Dex feels like no screw the system and i don't know and also dex's crush on sophie i would love it if he would just be like i thought that's what i was supposed to feel that was total combat (laughs) yeah like like a mako situation oh my gosh yes I just see similarities. I see similarities with how Dex acts with Sophie and how Mako acted with Korra. The whole, like, I just Mm. see similarities. Mm. I just do. I just think it would be so interesting, and I wish it would happen. It probably 
will not happen. But you could also draw comparisons to Makora, Mako and Cora, and also Fitzfi mm. though after. And if they oh, land yeah. in a place where Mako oh, and Cora end up, God. I would be very happy. I would be so happy if can you imagine? Because now I'm just I've got head cannons going Infects everywhere. Because <laughs> it, yes, that's what I was gonna say. If we're doing this as a Makora Fitzfi parallel, because I can totally see that. I can totally see Fitz as the Mako in this situation. I can absolutely see it. And guess what? Wu flirted with Cora and wanted to get with her for a little bit. So this. Is the perfect analogy. This is the I perfect would, analogy. This would be the perfect thing to happen. If this happened, I wouldn't even be able to talk about so so Keith. I would be like, oh, like all my posts would be we about would this. We would do a dedicated episode if it happened. We would do a dedicated episode. I would give props to Shannon Messenger for having the guts to turn around and do that. Honestly. Because now that I, more that I think about this comparison, Fitz, Fitz feels so headcocked to me now, I can't even deal with it. I need to stop talking and process. <laughs> I cannot deal with this. He has a lot in common with Mako, too. There's so much in common here. The substance that's missing, this would explain all of it. It really it. would. It really it would. would ex- if... This isn't going to happen. I am hyping myself up for absolutely nothing. But if this happened, do you realize my, I would go insane. My life would just tumble down into like fits and decks forever. Oh like my goodness. Like a wormhole. Yeah, just like Zuka. Just like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I am so sorry for those of you listening who don't watch Avatar. <laughs> This was supposed to be us discussing Fitz versus Keith, and it ended in a rant about Dex and Fitz's sexualities. <laughs> Gotta love it. Oh, God. This is Gotta what people love the tangents. expect. I hope honestly, people stay honestly, to the though, end of this. Frankie, honestly, Tumblr will appreciate it. Tumblr will appreciate it. I hope so. people stay for the end of this, because this was the best part of this video, us going off on this tangent, and I hope people stay to listen to this part. All right. On that note, I think that sums up our feelings on Soki versus Fitzby, as well as a lot about Fitz, some new things we've discovered <laughs> about him today. <laughs> Oh my god. This is why he didn't work out. <laughs> if there are any fan artists, the comparison is everywhere, Katie. I'm seeing so many parallels. But anyway, There's if there so are many. any fan artists, if there are any fan artists who just want to draw fits in Mako's clothes and and if they want to draw Dex and Woo's, please, or the other way around. Oh I don't my care. gosh. This is hysterical. Can you picture Dex, a little leprechaun, wearing Woo's little green suit? I am going to I die. I die. I die. Please. I'm begging someone out there to do this. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness. Anyways, once again, apologies to those of you listening who don't watch <laughs> Avatar. Um, I'm assuming most of you have and are Avatar fans just because I feel like there's some crossover here and oh, Avatar yeah. is much more well known than Keeper of the Lost Cities. So. <gasps> the parallels. Oh my god. Um, I hope those of you who have seen both could appreciate this. And on that note, I think that is all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. And you can find us on Instagram at Keeper of the Lost Cities Podcast or it's at 
K-O-T-L-C podcast. Follow mm-hmm. us there. We are available yep. on Spotify currently and hopefully iTunes and Apple Podcasts soon. We haven't been distributed yet, but hopefully we will be soon. And happy Sokeef shipping. Happy Sokeef and Dex and Fit shipping. <laughs> Bye. Bye.